The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys good? It's, it's Thanksgiving week. I, I love this week. It's one of my favorite weeks because of the four F's in my life. Faith, family, food, and football. Those are the four F's in my life. And I know for you, you probably have some traditions that you do this week that you're looking forward to. So I'm glad you're here. Excited for this week for sure. My name is Samir. I'm uh, on staff here at Story City. I'm one of the resident, I'm the resident director, and I'm excited to be here this morning and joyful to be able to be sharing this word today. Um, here at Story City, we just believe that our story is God's story, right? That every twist and turn of your story has value to God and to us. Love it. Speak to me as I preach. It, it fires me up. Love it. That no one is too bad or too mad or too far from God to matter to him or to us. These are our values. Another one that I love is that we are real and redeemed. Real and redeemed. That we balance faith and failure. Sometimes we don't like hearing that. But it's a fact, right? And we love that, that our limp enriches our legacy. I'm excited to be a part of this vision and mission here at Story City to multiply disciples, to multiply missionary, mi- missional communities, that's what it is, and to multiply churches. Um, so welcome. Really excited to be here. We have been in a series called Centered. Centered, right? We've been focusing on four questions. The first two we went through, the first question was, who is God? Right? Who is God? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about what has God done? What has God done? And this week, we're going to be talking about who are we in light of who he is and what he has done. This is the the age-old question, the question that we all ask, who am I? Who are we? Such a big, big question. And the order of which we ask these questions matters. Right? They matter. And as we go through the passage and the scriptures today, I hope that you can see why. Before I dive into today's topic, let me, uh, let me pray for us. God, we just come before you in gratitude. We come before you in humility. We come before you in joy to be present here today. Because you are always present, help us to be present with you. Help us to hear your word, God, and put me aside so that you can be elevated. Teach us your ways, teach us your word, teach us more about who we are. But that is a question we ask daily. We love you, Jesus. We exalt you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So who am I? Who are you? Right? The big philosophical question that's been asked for generations and generations and generations. The world, culture, our society has tried to answer this question often, right? And even 
more so today, kind of the self-help, the self-help books and things like that, that we actually think is pretty helpful. But I want to help us see how that way of thinking can actually be damaging and hurtful. Some things that we hear in culture when it comes to learning about who we are, we hear things like, look within yourself to find true self. Right? Look within to find your true self. Or we hear things like, just think or speak positively and good things will come into existence. Or we hear things like, just believe and you will achieve. Right? Or true love is within you. Have you heard these things before? Yes. Or this one that frustrates me. If you work hard, you will be successful. <laughs> the reality is if you work hard in all the wrong things, you will not be successful. Right? Just a little bit of how deceptive all those statements can be. They sound good, but not all good or thoughtful to be good things are actually helpful for understanding who we are. For understanding who we are. The, this analogy helps me kind of clarify what I mean. So I, I think about a mechanic, right? Let's say you're a mechanic, first time ever getting a car in front of you, and you need to fix the vehicle, right? There's something wrong with it. You know there's something wrong with it. You're just not sure what yet. So you want to do a diagnostic. You try to look within the vehicle. You look around. You look under the car. You look all over the place, and you think, okay, I think that might be wrong with it. And the very thing that we want to do is find out what's the source of the problem. And sometimes, and an and, and obvious question is, we wouldn't ask the car what's wrong with you, would we? Like, hey, car, what's wrong with you? Help me fix you. Of course not. Right? We'll, we'll do things like ask some others, mechanics, maybe they know, right? Then maybe it'll be helpful. Or, or maybe even go to the handbook, right, in the glove compartment, look through the handbook. Okay, there's some things about this car. This is things I got to look at. This is things I got to be careful for. Could be helpful. But the greatest source that can help us understand what to do and how to help this vehicle is to go to the created source, right? The one who made the vehicle. The one who put it together, the one who was the architect of the car, would help us really grasp what this car needs and what parts and parts it doesn't have. It's common, like it seems like common sense, right, to us. Like, but for whatever reason, when it comes to understanding about ourselves, we don't practice that understanding of learning about ourselves, right? We'll go to others, we'll go to things, we'll go to these books, we'll go to all these things, but the reality is you did not create yourself. We did not create ourselves. We are not the architect of ourselves. And so I want to encourage us as we move into this topic of who am I, for us to pursue the source in understanding who we are. For us to pursue the architect of our lives, the creator of our lives, the God who created us and made us to who we are in order to determine who we truly are. And that's what we're going to hopefully do this morning. We did a survey a couple months ago amongst the church, um, just wanting to ask you guys, what is your biggest need? What are things that you feel like we need to talk about more 
within the church, that we need to figure out how to uplift and encourage each other more. And the top two things was anxiety and calling. Anxiety and calling, I feel like that's always interesting when we do the survey and be like, oh, that's where everyone is at. And I really believe that the source, like the depth of why those are the top two, it really comes back to an identity issue. It comes back to understanding who we are. Who are we? And why are we here? As, as we grasp that more, anxiety and calling become clear and more understood. So our first topic, I mean our first point of today that's going to lead us into the point. So if you have your notes, if you don't have them, that's okay. But we had little notes in the front, but you could even write this down. But this is the first point that's going to guide our discussion. Our identity is informed and shaped by who God is and what he has done. Our identity is informed and shaped by who God is and what he has done which is lining up for the, those first two questions that we asked, right? Those first two questions guide us into today's question. And here are four identities, four identities that are informed by God that will help us grasp who we are more clearly. We're going to dive into these four, and I hope they're helpful. The first one, let's take a sip real quick. The first one is our creation identity. The very first identity is to understand our creation identity. In Genesis 1, verse 27, it says this. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. We have to understand that the very beginning of creation, God created us, humanity, in his image that we are the imago Dei, which means the image of God. He created everything that we see, right? But he did not create everything in his image. He only created us in his image. That's substantial. That's very important to understand. That all of creation actually is beneath us in the sense that he's created us higher than everything else that was created, to subdue everything, right? To rule over everything and to do it well and to do it good. That we are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and relational beings in his image. These are the facts of who we are in our creation. That we are set apart and above every other form of creation. We were made special and unique in God's sight. We are created to rule and subdue the earth. All of humanity, all of humanity is equal in dignity, value, and respect. He created us this way. All of humanity, Christian, non-Christian, no matter what, all of creation that is human was created this way. All of creation that is human. We are created in this identity, his Likeness, imago Dei. The original purpose of our creation was for the garden, right? Was for that beautiful love, unity, wholeness with God in harmony. 
That was God's original desire and intent for humanity to be created. Guys, he did not create us because he needed us. He did not need us. We did, a, we did a, a series on the Trinity. He was perfectly communal with himself before he founded anything that was created. He didn't need to create us. But he created us because he desired to share his love and to display his glory. That was why he created us. So we are honored to be created in his image so that we can experience his love and to bring him glory. That is the first identity we need to grasp is our creation identity. But the reality is, is that in the beginning, we read on in Genesis, all of that crashed and burned. Sin and Satan disrupted this picture and beauty that God intended for us to live in. So now creation identity stays the same, but the way it now looks on this earth has changed because of sin and Satan. Which leads us to my next point of identity. The second identity we need to grasp is our spiritual identity. Our spiritual identity. Nehemiah did a great job in reading to us Ephesians 2. I'm going to read just up to 5 to kind of help us grasp what I mean by this. Spiritual identity. It reads, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in, disobedient, in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. I love when this, this statement is said in the, in the Gospels, in, in, in the Word of God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace, by grace. But God, guys, there was sin and Satan that disrupted the original intent of humanity, but God executed a game plan to perfection by bringing Jesus to redeem humanity back to its original purpose in harmony and unity with the Father. Yeah, that, that's like, we should be praising God and remembering this truth that our spiritual identity now is restored and renewed. He brought Jesus to revive us spiritually, to revive us, to take our sins and death on the cross that we deserved. He paid the wrath that we deserved so that we can be alive spiritually. So that we can be reconciled, which just means brought back to or made whole again. To right relationship with the Father. So what does that mean for us in our spiritual identity? That means we are now a child of God. Our child of God. Right? That's what we just read in Ephesians 2. The spiritual identity we need to grasp now for those who believe, 
that we are now a child of God because of what Jesus has done by his grace, not by our doing. Even the faith he's given us to believe was a gift and is a gift to believe. So we have only two options when it comes to our spiritual identity, right? The first one, creation identity, there is no options. That's the fact amongst all of humanity. But the second one, spiritual identity, there's two options, what we read right here in Ephesians. We're either a child of God, which is I described just now what that looks like and why, or we're a child of wrath. And I know that's a bad word in our, in our society now, wrath, and, and it's hard to grasp that because it, it's painful. But I didn't say that, right? We just read it in the scriptures. The child of wrath is just for all those who choose not to believe this amazing game plan, this amazing truth, this amazing person, Jesus, who came in full divinity and full humanity to do what he did on the cross so that we can now be restored again in wholeness with God. Our true creation now is becoming formed because of Jesus. He's the only way, that, that's the only game plan that would work. And God executed it perfectly. For those who don't believe or turn away and run away, if this is the first time you've heard that, this plan, this game plan is for all creation, humanity, all of us to believe and to walk and be restored back to our original purpose. This is for all humanity. These are the two options of our spiritual identity, to be a child of God to be a child of wrath. Because the fact is that the more we become his, the more we become ourselves. That the more we become his, the more we become ourselves. That the more we clearly see him, the more we clearly see ourselves. He is the architect, the creator, the perfecter of us. So the way we ask these four questions matters. We can't first ask, what do I do? Or, who am I? We must ask, who is God? Who is he? Then we must ask, what has he done? Because it informs who we are. The third identity that's important for us to grasp is our specific identity. Our specific identity. So the first one, one truth amongst all of humanity, creation, identity. The second one, two possibilities, right? You're either a child of wrath or you're a child of God. And the third one, specific identity, this is specific to you as an individual. Every single one of you, every single one of us is uniquely, wonderfully, and specifically made by God. By God. I want to read Psalm 139, 13 through 16, which really just beautifully depicts this truth. For it was you who created my inward parts. This is David talking to God in a poem. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. And I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned 
before a single one of them began. This is not just true for David. This is true for every single individual here. That he formed us specifically, uniquely, and beautifully. So unique. Do you understand that there's trillions and trillions of people that existed throughout all of time? And that there isn't one DNA, one fingerprint, one person that is exactly like you. Like, doesn't that, for me, that blows my mind. That we are that specifically created and made to the point where your name, your ethnicity, your personality, your gifting, your likes, your dislikes, your uniqueness, your, 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 your quirks, your fingerprints, your emotions, like all of that is unique to you. It is specifically to you. Your identity in that is you. When I was six years old, I remember this so clearly. Being a Palestinian young boy, my parents moved to the States to give us a life that we wouldn't have had there. At six years old, I remember living, in, we were in Panorama City at the time, and I was going to school amongst Hispanics, white, black, like different cultures, and I was going around saying, my name is Samir, my name is Samir, and everyone would just be like, what's that? What's Samir, you know? And it was at the age of six, I started to just write my name on my homework and everything as Sam. Like, I think this is a name that everyone would know. So I just write, and I, I, I still like, how did I think of this at that age? Sam, I just started writing Sam, and then I just started wanting to learn more about American culture, and I started assimilating myself naturally to American culture. And from the age of six until about 2008, my name was Sam to everyone. My name was Sam to everyone. And then in 2008, we went on a trip to Palestine to visit family. We've gone several times, but this time I was a little older as an adult. And we went there, and we started just journeying. My, 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 my dad grew up in Jerusalem, which is crazy. Um, he started just walking me around, like, where he grew up, where he lived. Um, he showed us the room where they lived, and it was a room, like, just a room. And there was 10 siblings and two parents and grandparents. So, like, 15 or so people lived in a room. And he'd be like, we would just put mats down, and then just, that's, that's our bedroom. Like, it became a bedroom once the sun went down, right? The rest of the day, it's, it's our living space. And then he would take me out, and we walked down the Via Del Rosa, you know, the trail that Jesus walked up to, up to his, his death on the cross. And he'd be like, yeah, well, I used to walk this trail to school every day. I'm like, what? And then uh, he'd be like, oh, yeah, you remember the, the Springs of David in the Bible? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, we used to go there and just hang out. Like, we used to ditch school and just go to the Springs of David and, and play in the water. And I'm just like, what? Like, do you understand what you're saying? Like, it was all normal, like, to him. Like, yeah, this was, this was my life. And I was so grateful for that moment because that year I began to realize, like, I need to embrace who I am. Like, who I am in specificity of how God created me from where I was from, from my family lineage, like, it matters to God. It matters to me, right? And then I got to a journey. We went, we went to Nazareth and went by the Sea of Galilee. By the way, 
plug real quick. If you want to go to Israel still, there's still time. We need, we need some spots filled. Anyways, it's <laughs> a quick plug. Beautiful place. Changed my life. It's where my family's from. And it was life-changing because I saw eyes, my, my eyes opened biblically to who God is, but also to who I am. The truth of who I am became real to me more than ever. So from 2008, I was like, I'm Samir. I'm Samir. I'm just like, obviously, trying to revert that for all those years. Everyone that knew me before 2008 would call me Sam. Even my wife still calls me Sam. My parents still call me. Like, they have to remember, oh, wait, Samir, Samir. Um, so if I even mess up, like Sam, I, I apologize. Samir is my name. <laughs> but it matters. Your identity matters. Who you are matters, and specific identity matters. It changes who you are. It forms you and shapes you and walks you into the calling that you're called to live. So our creation identity, generally who we are, image of God, spiritual identity. We're the child of God or a child of wrath. Specific identity. You're unique. You're beautiful. You're awesome. God created you the way he created you for a purpose and a reason. Embrace that. And the fourth and final one, identity that we need to grasp, is our gospel identity. Our gospel identity. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is talking about him being a good shepherd and how others that try to deceive us are not real shepherds. And this is what he says. He says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that you may live, so that you may have life and have it in abundance. Have it in abundance. He, he clearly desires for us to be embraced by our original creation in harmony with the Father. To live in abundance. That's what that means. Because the truth is, sin, Satan, and ourselves lie to us Daily, right? Sin, Satan, and ourselves, we lie to ourselves daily. Our gospel identity is our daily firepower in a life of chaos, confusion, sadness, and pain. I'll say that again. Gospel identity is our firepower in a life of chaos, confusion, sadness, and pain. We said this earlier. We are real and redeemed. Real and redeemed. Real with ourselves in the pain that we walk in, but also the truth of our redemption because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Makes us who we are in the gospel. The most influential preacher and teacher in your life ever is yourself. The most influential Preacher and teacher in your life is yourself. You preach to yourself every single day, every single moment. You preach to yourself daily. What are you telling yourself? What are you preaching to yourself? Are you preaching gospel identity truths to yourself daily? Or are we allowing our false understanding of ourselves to define who we truly are? Are we allowing sin or Satan to tell us who we are? Are we refining who we understand God to be, what we understand he has done for us, to inform 
our true identity in the gospel. Just some things as we close that we might be saying to ourselves, but actually need to remember who we truly are in the gospel. That sometimes we can say to ourselves, and you probably can put yourself in this spot, everything is so chaotic and out of my control, I don't know what to do. But God says, you have been given the peace of God that passes all understanding. In Philippians, we see that. Or I feel my circumstances are dim. How will I get through this? But guess what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, Philippians says. I am ugly and can't do anything right. You are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. This is what God says about you. I lost everything. I've made the biggest mistake. I have nothing to my name anymore. Guess what? You are an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ. That all that is his is ours in the spirit and in eternity. Or I'm a failure. How do I overcome this loss that I just put myself in? God says that you are more than a conqueror. Through him who loves you. That's in Romans. I have no one. Everyone is so far from me and keeps leaving me. You have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Why does everyone leave me? I keep getting abandoned. Well, guess what? You have been accepted by God as his beloved son and daughter. You are in the Father's hands out of which no one can pluck you out. No one can pluck you out, John 10 says. My own family doesn't even believe in me. God is for you even when others are against you. I deserve hell. I need to be punished for all my mistakes. God said that you are free from condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Nothing. You cannot be charged for your sins anymore. This is the fact of your gospel identity. Why am I here? Who cares? Who cares? You have been chosen. You have been chosen in Christ before the foundations of the world. You individually, specifically, not, not just like generally, you. Write your name down, say your name to your head, have been chosen. I am too weak to do this thing called life. I can't do it. But guess what? You are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Or I made a huge mistake. I don't deserve any good thing anymore. I don't. But God said, for it is by grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not what you can do or what you have done. It is by grace. It is a gift from God. Our identity is informed and shaped by who God is and what he has done. Walk in your true identity. Walk in your true identity. Understand your uniqueness, that you are the imago Dei created by God, that you are a child of God, and if you don't believe that today, Jesus came to save you. Come to him to be a child of of his that you are specifically and uniquely made 
beautifully and wonderfully. And that in the gospel identity, God has called you to live in abundance in the truth of who he is and what he's done. Embrace who you are. Let us walk in our identity together as a family and know how to live this life in goodness and in love, even in the hardest places. We are God's children. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your gospel, for your truth, for your love, that you have made us specifically and uniquely in your arms, in your hands, that we are now embraced by the Father because of what Jesus has done for us, that we can walk in this gospel identity in confidence, in joy, in excitement. Even when it's hard, we can be sad and mourn in the way you were sad and mourn, but you can do it. We can do that, and you're no, we know that you are with us in the midst of the hardship, that you are with us and carrying us and, and walking with us and sometimes putting us on your shoulder because we can't walk anymore. We thank you that you are who you are. God, as we celebrate baptisms today, God, we celebrate this gospel truth, this identity that they are now walking into and who they are called to be, your children. We exalt you, Lord. We worship you and we praise you in your son's most precious name. Amen.